talking about you, darling, not to you. Well, at least, you know, if we use this as the intro, people will know that when they hear random bumps and things, we don't have poltergeist activity. <laughs> it's, just, no. it's just Thursday. However, however, since we posted to Instagram, yeah. that is our most liked post on Instagram, Yeah, is our cats. Nothing to do with my podcast, nope. nothing to do with all nope. the work I put I in, just, the many hours. I just thought I'd introduce the cats because they all, at some point, have jumped up on the, on the table. While uh, we've been they've recording. all had a name check for trying they've to ruin my vision. Checked. It makes me very sad. Apart from pogies. Oh God, well, if he jumped on it, it would break the equipment and we'd have to... Yeah. I'd, I'd have to go back into that blooming finance deal to get a brand new Scarlet and everything. God, could you imagine? Just very, very briefly, Pogo 5 is our half main Coon. Massive cat. Hybrid monster that lives with us. He's absolutely enormous and hairy. Some would say too big. So, Definitely. I can barely carry him, you know. (laughs) He's massive. Hey up, I'm Joe Heathcote and this is Consistently Eccentric, a British history podcast where we try to make sense of some of the lesser known and more absurd people and events these islands have produced. So let's get started with This Story Begins. Mm -hmm. Around the year 1690, Mm -hmm. which was during the reign of William of Orange and Mary. So it's just after the Glorious Revolution. Oh, yeah. You know, when we when we finally got rid of them Stuarts the second time around. Hi, Purdy. Yeah. Oh, really? Hello. William and Mary. <laughs> because that was when Edward Lowe was born in the Westminster district of London. Okay. We're going to have to stop to, to allow cats to fight. Will you... Sorry, the OGs entered the chat. Hello. Fuck's sake. Hey, I don't know. Why Why did we have cats? We <laughs> They're all my with... fault. <laughs> They're literally all my why fault. Why can't we have stuck with fish? Fish are great. They okay, stay downstairs. To be fair, OG came with me. Hmm. She was part of the package deal. Okay, shall we start again? Go on. Because that was when Edward Lowe was born in the Westminster district of London. Mm-hmm. We don't know the exact date because we never do when the subject of our story was born into poverty. Because who cared about the poor in 1690? Who cares about the poor full stop? Mm. They never get name-checked. And when we're talking about poor, Edward was properly poor. Right. And unsurprisingly, he was too busy trying to survive to receive an education. Mm -hmm. Uh, He never learned to read or write throughout his life. Goodness me. Instead, he, he did learn some things, though. Okay. He learned to fight. He was a fighter. He reportedly supported himself as a child by beating up any children smaller than he was until they gave up whatever money they had. Oh so he was a professional God. street tough from like the age of four, I like to imagine. He was a professional school bully. Well, no, because a school bully assumes that you go to, to go to school. Yeah, yeah I suppose he's, so. he's just a, a no good street tough. He had a tiny, tiny little five-year-old person's leather jacket and he greased his hair back. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not liking this. Esme, what are you doing? I don't... Stop it. This is really making it difficult to get in any kind of flow with these bloody cats. Mm-hmm. It's If anybody would like some cats, please contact us. <laughs> Consistently eccentric. Cats for sale. No. No, you're not having my cats. Criminal activity was apparently a family business, as Edward's brothers who didn't have the same brawn, were known to pickpocket and steal wigs. 
Because this was the age of the just... powdered wig. <laughs> Amazing. This just sounds like Fagin's gang. Mm. Well, it, one of his... <clears throat> one of his little brothers. One mm. of his little brothers apparently was so small that they could put him in a wicker basket that one of the taller brothers would carry on his back and then he would come out of the wicker basket, grab the wig and back into the wi- oh my God, wicker like basket. like a steely jack-in-a-box. Yeah, but you take the wig and away and then the person would turn around to see who'd whipped the wig and obviously there'd be no... Yeah, there'd be nobody. There'd be nobody there. So oh, it was... Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the wib-wicking jack-in-a-box. I know. Yeah. I mean... Back in the day, did they not put the names in the wigs? Yeah, it's, it's easy enough to pick a name out of it, even if it was. But I don't think they did. You take that powdered wig, you give it a wash, I don't know, maybe just, you know. Just imagine that people put name tags in them, you know, like hats. Well, my thought is, you know, jewellery and that kind of stuff, you fence that because it's innately valuable. Yeah. Who's buying a second-hand wig, a used wig? The lower classes. <laughs> I'm fancy now. Look at me wig. I'm going up it world. No, but seriously. Three lady owners. Only took it downtown on a because, Sunday. Because, okay, well, let's just put it this way. Probably back in the day, only your, your high up classes will be able to buy from you. Mm. And then once you, oh, well, I'm, bored of, that. I'm bored of that white hair now. I'll go and get a new white hair wig. Okay. Fancier get, and more bombastic than the last. I get what you're saying. So the the middle classes would have last season's wigs, and then the lower classes would end up with the wigs that were in fashion ten year ago. Absolutely, yeah. And are looking a bit shoddy, rat nibbled, and threadbare. Possibly a dead badger. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> no, it's my wig. <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure that's not roadkill? It has teeth. <laughs> Anyway, we're not here to talk about wigs. Wigs are very incidental to this story. I love a wig. No. As he grew. Yeah. <laughs> Who? Edward. Oh, Edward. Edward Lowe, the person we're following. Oh, yeah. As he grew, Edward began making larger sums of money by gambling his ill-gotten gains with the footman who worked at the House of Commons. Right. If he ever lost in his games of chance, he would simply beat up the unfortunate victor and take all the money anyway. So it was a win-win. He got to have a bit of fun, but he had the certainty that at the end of the day, the money was, was bigger, going home with him. He was bigger, and stronger, and he'd just knock it yeah. out of them, essentially. Yeah. Okay, fair so enough. So, oh, God, Edward's here. Yeah, it's just like, do we just give him the money, I mean, at this point? I kind of really do value the only three teeth I have left mm. in my head. I think it was a case of you'd work very hard to lose. You know, you're playing yeah. poker and you're on a straight, so you fold. And just uh, mm-hmm. oh. oh, he wins again. You go all in on like a two and a seven yeah. out of suit and just, oh, oh. Oh. He saw through my bluff again. Well done, that man. What's he like? His younger brother, Richard, he have jack-in-the-box wig fame, mm-hmm. had also graduated from the pickpocketing of people's hair pieces to burglary around the same time that his older brother was, uh, you know, ripping off footmen. This is definitely sounding like Fagin's gang. I know it's a, I know it's a lot older than that, because that was Victorian mm. England, and this is not. It's, not. it's not a million miles away, like. I mean, you're talking 100 years. Yeah. So, yeah, the proto-Fagin's. Well, it's going to take a turn. Okay. Because, unfortunately, it turned out that Richard was not as good as Edward at doing things like burglary. Right. Probably because he was still a literal child at the time. He was only 14, 15. Oh, he's only a baby. Mm. On November the 25th, 1707, Mm -hmm. Richard and two of his associates 
decided to break into the house of Captain John Guyon. G-U-Y-O-N. Guyon. Guyon. Hmm. Not not a, a northern colloquial name. No. Never heard one of never Never had one of them at school. Uh, captain John Guyon himself was away fighting wars, as he was indeed a captain at the time. Okay. They grabbed a blue cloth waistcoat, a matching pair of cloth breeches, mm-hmm. some more assorted clothes, four yards of yellow ribbon, four yards of green ribbon. Oh, ribbon's very mm. expensive back then. Two silver spoons and a dram cup. Whatever mm. one of those is. I'm assuming a small cup for drinking liquor. Uh, uh, well, your spirits. you have a wee dram. Yeah, that's that's the only reference I had, so that's what I'm going with. Yeah, I'm imagining I, a small, almost like a tiny-sized uh, sort of goblet. I, I imagine a shot glass made of metal. That'll do. Yeah. A, a dram cup. I'm guessing that was silver as well. Write in, dear listeners, if you know what a dram cup is, because I'm fascinated. Or send us one. Or a picture. Yeah. Or whatever. Anything. Or etch one. So, right, 1707, and this bloke's away fighting. Are we the era of the East India Trading Company, or are we after that? Oh, the East India Trading Company are doing stuff in the seas. Right, okay, that's fine. There's... That was a long thing. That really started with uh, Elizabeth I and went all the way through to, like, Victoria. Right, okay. So it went all the way through the Tudors, the Stuarts, you know, all the way through the Georgian era. It was a long-lived company. Okay, I was just trying to place myself with you now. Was he part of that? Or was he he military? Uh, I think it was British military. Right, okay. Anyway, Richard and his associates, Mm -hmm. they took so long collecting together all of the things. All of the magnificent loot, I mean, cloth breeches. You can't just get that everywhere. No, well, you've got to remember, these people are coming from literal nothing. Mm. Selling some decent, half-decent clothes would get you a pretty penny. What would make this really tragic is if he was stealing the clothes specifically because he had a job interview and he wanted to make a good impression. Oh, Joe, no, that's horrible. It's one last job. That's heartbreaking. Well, anyway, they took so long that Mrs Gunyan, or Gunyan... Gunyan... (laughs) Not Mrs. Onion, Mrs. Gunyan. <laughs> Mrs. Gunyan. Mrs. Gunyan. Who had been sleeping upstairs, was startled awake by the banging and she began screaming to alert the neighbours. Right. This would have been a good time for the little criminal gang to scarper. You want to just take what you've got and yeah. pelt it. However, Richard Lowe decided that as Mrs. Gunyan was awake, mm. they may as well ask her to tell them where she kept all of her money. Was he threatening enough at 14 year old, though? They seem to be, because he went into the bedroom, right. shouted, and this is a direct quote from the uh, criminal trial, so you can see oh. where this is going. <clears throat> Damn you, deliver your money! And slapped her across the chops. He hit a woman? He apparently slapped very hard across the chops. Oh, well, that was a mistake. It was, don't worry, Sean Connery would have been okay, because it was an open fist. Open fist. <laughs> Thinking fast, Mrs Goyen told them that the money was in the room that was next to her bedroom. And when the three robbers rushed in to grab it, she locked them inside. Clever woman. So she literally went, it's over there. She's just been backhanded by some 14-year-old twat. Didn't knock the sense out of her. Didn't knock the sense out of her. No, she held held a composure there. You've got to be eminently practical when your husband's away at war all the time. You do, because she then... Come, becomes the man mm, of the house because I mean, who's who knows what he's up to? He might not come back. Yeah, she's she's got to be self sufficient. She has to be self sufficient, and she was mm. probably feeling a bit stupid. They broke out through a window and left, having given both Mrs. Goyen and her maid an opportunity to have a really good look at their faces. 
good, yes. Mm. Which meant that when they were caught trying to fence the stolen goods later on, they were able to be positively identified at the trial. So if they'd have just scarpered at the time she started screaming, burglary, you know, help, help, thieves, Mm. no one would have been able to ID them. No. They'd have had some case of plausible deniability. Yeah, that... Unfortunately, you can't put a wise head on young shoulders, can you? And mm-hmm. that that's a little bit of young bravado there coming mm-hmm. out, a little bit of immaturity. I think I, I think a, a more mature thief would have just left it. Mm. Discretion. Put, discretion is the best part of Allah there. And, mm. yeah. Well. Shot yourself in the foot, didn't you? Seeing as how he'd slapped Mrs Goyen across the chops. Richard, well, it's assault as well. <clears throat> well, he realised, Richard that he wasn't going to be able to avoid a guilty verdict. No. So he tried to do the noble thing of a sort and accept all of the blame in order to save his two associates. So he pled guilty. Mm. And this is, you know, Georgian England. Uh, well, yes, it would have been Georgian mm. England by this point, wouldn't mm. it? Yeah, yeah. It was around Queen when our Anne. house was... No, would Queen Anne have died at that point? Mm. I don't know. I'm just trying to think when our house was built, because this is a Georgian no, this would be, house. No, this would be just before Queen Anne. So this would have been the... Um, Queen Anne period. Yeah. Um, but either way, they were still, you know, very f- high on the death penalty. Mm. Um, and although he tried to save his two friends, it didn't work. And all three were sentenced to death on December the 10th, 1707, for this burglary that I've discussed, and another one they committed in October, when they'd stolen some sheets, blankets, and a calico quilt. Oh, I'm not sure I, want, I would want a calico quilt. That's very scratchy. Mm-hmm. Having having worked, because before I became your podcast co-host mm. and mum, and then I had my art business, mm. but before that, at university, I did my degree in menswear fashion. Turn to the left. Version. And I did an awful lot of cali- working with calico, Mocking up suits and shirts and the like. And they were very scratchy. Oh, my God. You used to get burns from my fing- on my fingers from, like, rolling hems and, and, like, working with it and unpicking it. It's really tough. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want that on my bed. Fair enough. It's horrible. Scratchy. Anyway, Richard was hung at Tyburn shortly after the guilty verdict. So he went Tyburn. to the tree. Yeah. Seeing the fate of his younger brother and knowing that he already had a certain notoriety, you know, um, you do when your main criminal enterprise is done directly outside the House of Commons. Yeah. Edward realised he would eventually need a route out of London or he'd likely meet the same fate. Highly likely. How many siblings did he have? Lots. Oh, right, okay. The route that he chose turned out to be provided by an unnamed older brother who convinced (laughs) Edward to go to sea with him. Can I name him? George. His older brother, George, who convinced Edward to go to sea with him in 1710. Ah, he's off to CCC to see what he could CCC. Mainly to avoid the criminal justice system, but yes, CCC. (laughs) (laughs) Edward spent the next three years learning to be a sailor, eventually ending up in Boston, Massachusetts, sometime in 1713. This is very exciting. I have been, and it is good. It won't be the same, because while Boston today, the modern Boston that you went to, know and love... yes. Had a populate has a population of well over six hundred thousand people. Yeah. Back in seventeen thirteen, the population was a little bit smaller. Would they have had any of the buildings that I saw? No. I, it would unless have... there were some old old wooden buildings. We're still talking one two stories at best. This is 
I mean, possibly, but not that I saw mm. personally. Well, I'm just wondering whether the Declaration Building might have been there then. I wouldn't know. Well, no, because this was while it was still part of the British Empire. Right. So this was this was pre-American Revolution. Right, so we're kind of talking... There's a place in um, just outside Boston called the Plymouth Plantation mm. um, that's that's based on the Plymouth landings, and it, we're looking at those kind of houses, yes. I guess, more. Yes, the sort of this is still very much the settler times. The entire population of Boston at the time was 10,000 mm. around that. Very much worth a visit if you fancy going if you're in Boston neck of the woods by the way mm. Plymouth Plantation it's not it's about the landings and indigenous folk it's very very good folk those blokes <coughs> and female blokes and female blokes but despite being a relatively tiny coastal community at the time it felt to Edward like a place where he could settle down and try going straight he's going to turn his laugh around is he yeah unlikely he took a job manufacturing rigging for ships and the following year, he found himself a lovely woman called Eliza Marble. Oh, Eliza. 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 The pair got married on August the 12th, 1714, and began trying for a baby. Eliza. Eliza. The first child, a boy, died in infancy. Oh, Joe! Bloody hell! But in the spring of 1719, Eliza was pregnant again, and Edward was certain that this child would survive. After all... He turned his life around and he deserved a reward. He felt like he'd yeah. made a deal with the universe that he was going to leave England, he was going to leave that criminal life behind, he was going to make a an make honest a proper go living. Of it now. He's going to make yeah. a proper go of it. So he's he's done his side of this bargain he struck. He was shown the light. He needs his reward. Okay. His second child, a daughter, did survive. Mm-hmm. Sadly, though, Eliza didn't. She Bloody died in childbirth. Fire. And that moment... When he was informed by the doctor, who I imagine was a sawbones who did many other things on the side. Jesus Christ. Something snapped in Edward. Did he see red? He'd made this deal with the universe and the universe had let him down. Shut on him from a Mm. high height. A mighty heighty. Knowing he wouldn't be able to look after a child and work to support it. He just didn't have those kinds of single dad skills. He placed the daughter in the care of Eliza's family. So I, I know you've lost a daughter. Here, have another one. For the time... Have the newer model. Right. For the time... That's very, very cut, cutthroat, that, Joe. That's horrible. But, like, for the time, it's. I think mm. it's probably the best thing he could have done. Yeah. Because I don't think... From his... Going off his background, mm. I do not think he would have the skills to pay the bills there. I, don't, he, I just do not think... He needs an opportunity to, to, to process that grief and having a baby and, and abs- absolutely you know mewling infant baby is not gonna I don't work. I don't think so I think for those who who are dealt that hand you either know one way or the other almost instantaneously whether you can take that on or not knowing who you are in that very raw moment mm. and he made the right choice I think well, the right choice but it also sort of took away a sense of purpose maybe because you know, once he was living all alone and he was, you know, feeling that the universe had wronged him, he started to return to his old ways bit by bit. To be honest, although he's a bad one, mm-hmm. I actually quite like him. Yeah, he, when I say he turned, he didn't turn to crime. He just became more argumentative with people. He was more arrogant. Um, and when people called him out on that, that he was being a bit of a grump, 
he started dishing out the beatings again. You yeah, know, he was I responding can to that. everything with his fists like he used to do. Unsurprisingly, um, you can't do that when you work in a rigging factory, and he was soon fired. Oh, dear. Needing work and possibly seeing Boston as a place with too many memories for him to ever truly deal with his grief, because he'd, you know, he'd spent six years there. Yeah. He got married there. Yeah. He built a life there. And everywhere he walked, he would see Eliza's face. Well, His I know you're making... Dear, me- sweet Eliza. I'm not making... I, I actually feel for the guy. You're like making Mary Mark, but, mm. you know, he... I bet some somehow she was a bit of a shining light on him turning his life around yeah, this, and he, she was taken away. You know, she was his But a woman like this would, you know, want a sinner like me. Maybe there is some, some well, goodness in me you that know, she saw. And he can't read and he can't write, you know, because you've already said that. Yeah, yeah. But you he, know, can, he can so rigging quite, quite effectively. Well, no, now. but, the, you know, maybe somewhere in the back of his mind going, well, I can't do this and I can't do that, but I can take, I can take care of you. Mm. And he and was doing. He was doing, and then unfortunately she passed away. Well, so. he he decided that because the memories were too raw, mm. he'd go back to sea again, where he could send yeah. money back to his daughter, and hopefully some time away would give him the space to process everything and return yeah. in a fit state to be a good father. Maybe now, when the child's <clears throat> a little bit older and a little bit more self-sufficient, he can come back and be that father figure. I was going to say... Mm. Something very, very silly, and maybe the daughter reminded him of her. Oh, very much so. However, when our darling Evester was born, mm. she was like you without a beard. Yep. So I, I can't even <laughs> can't even say. She's kind of grown to look more like me yeah. as she's got older. <laughs> but she didn't used to look like me at all, no. at all. She does now. I mean, it's, it's quite she a good thing now. that she started to develop more your feminine features rather than sticking <laughs> with mine. And not a beard. Anyway, yeah. Edward. Edward. He got work on a sloop that was heading for the Bay of Honduras to collect a cargo of wood. Nice simple task. Mm-hmm. Go to Honduras, we get the wood. Mm-hmm. We come back, we mm. use the wood to build more wood. What, wooden what, what, what buildings. Building? We, we build more wooden buildings and Boston slowly grows towards the, so the metropolis bi- it is. So he's getting wood for buildings, not wood for ships? Yes. Right, OK. Honduras was under Spanish rule at the time mm. and would remain so until the 1800s. So when I say they went to collect a cargo of wood, what yeah. I really mean is they went to Honduras to try and steal a cargo of wood yep. by literally chopping down as many trees as possible and then scarpering before any of the Spanish colonists noticed what they were up to. Is he going to be better at stealing and scarpering than his brother? There's still quite a section of this story to go, so yes. All right, okay. <laughs> Good. That was why, when Edward was sent on the ship's boat to shore with 12 other men, mm. they were all armed not only with axes, but with a good amount of guns and other weapons. Oh, right, oh, right. so we came... They were tooled okay, up. They, they, were tooled. they were expecting that if somebody did notice them, there would be an immediate conflict that could get quite heated. If Mrs Gunyan started shouting again. Yeah. Making multiple... Why is she here? <laughs> you already killed my brother. <laughs> Leave me alone, Mrs Gunyan. No, that's not her name, but... <laughs> she will forever be she Mrs Gunyan. Mrs Gunyan. <laughs> Making multiple trips back and forth from shore each day to undertake the back-breaking labour while on a constant high alert for any sign that they'd been spotted was understandably a pretty tiring endeavour. 
Mm. So that, you know what it's like when you're on that constant high alert state for something. It absolutely knackers you before you do any work or any sort of... I live my life on a permanent high alert. Mm. It's it's knackering. It's why I go to bed at half eight. Mm. It's like, I'm just done. You're right, we best get a wiggle. <coughs> but no, what right. I'm saying is, I'm willing to give Edward Lowe a slight benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. that he may have been a little bit hangry during the events of one late afternoon... Oh, what did he do? ...in the January of 1722. The foreshadowing is so heavy, I, I fear... I lay it on is... with a trowel. You do. Like, blooming cake makeup. Cakey makeup. <laughs> yeah. Edward and the other workers yeah. on choppy down tree duty mm-hmm. returned to the ship with yet more logs, just a short time before the dinner bell was going to sound. The smell of cooking food lightly wafting across the deck even as they were hauling their tired bodies up from the boat. Hmm. You know, that's, those sorts of uh, old-school cartoons where they're being lifted up by the tendrils of smell and mm-hmm. sort of dragged yeah, over towards like the, the little, catering table. Little kind of grey-white wisps of smell that you follow <laughs> in, like, Tom and Jerry cartoons. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Edward asked the captain if they could delay their final trip of the day until after they had eaten. Fair. Nobody wants to do a job hangry. Well, they didn't want the food to spoil. No. And he said, you know, we'll work better when we're full. Full tum-tum, happy worker, more efficient worker. The captain of the ship refused. Well, he's stupid. Saying that they could take their daily rum ration with them, but that he wasn't about to change his itinerary for anyone. Right. Especially not Edward. We've all been to a wedding and drunk too much before you've had... Why are you pointing at me? I'm just pointing in general. I'm pointing in general. I maintain that that cake jumped at me. (laughs) Don't care what the video shows. You didn't do anything like that. But we've all been there where you've been to a wedding and you've not eaten barely anything all day and the wedding breakfast isn't for a little while and you've had far too many either pims or blinis or whatever books fizz or just straight up champagne's the worst is when is when they offer you fizz on an empty stomach you are hammered absolutely hammered when you sit down for your wedding breakfast or i am because i don't drink that much you don't need to worry he he wasn't for just taking the rum ration and going off with his tail between his legs because he didn't care for the response at all (laughs) the man was hungry god damn it and seeing how he's had and seeing how he had gun literally in his hands what he impulsively he decided to shoot the captain. Oh, my God. He missed. Oh. But he did manage to hit another crew member through the head. Jesus Christ. Interestingly, there's no word on if this poor guy survived, but reading between the lines, I bet he didn't. The man was shot in the head. He, a he, little. It could have even, grazed him. Even if... Could have chipped a bit of his, you know, just ricocheted off his skull. Yeah, but even if he was, you know, it could be a vegetable... You know, even if he didn't die from the gunshot wound, he might not have, in inverted commas, survived it. To be he the might same not have person. wanted to have survived it. Yeah. You know, he'll be heavily disabled, poor man. He'd we call him Whistling job. Jack. Is he good at whistling? No, but when the wind's blowing <laughs> in the right direction, he doesn't have a choice. It's like a flute. <laughs> we call him the flautist. Realising he had potentially made a blunder, He's, he's not him when he's hangry. He needs he's a Snickers. Edward and his companions, because they all felt like, oh, shit, if he scarpers and yeah. we're here, <clears throat> we're probably going to have to take mm-hmm. his punishment in, yeah. in lieu. So they all got back into the boat and cast off from the ship, leaving without food, without the rum, 
and with no chance of ever getting the pay they were owed for their weeks of back-breaking labour. Oh, dear me. So they scarpered into the Bay of Honduras. <sighs> now, Ed Lowe, he could have reflected on the choices he had made in his life at this point and taken some responsibility for the situation he found himself in. Mm-hmm. A murderer in a small boat adrift near Honduras with 12 other smelly and hungry men. Mm. But that wasn't something Edward was capable of. If there's one major flaw in Ed, it's that it's always externalised, the responsibility for these things. Fair enough. It's always somebody else's fault. Yep. And instead, he decided that he would declare a war against the world and become... (laughs) Jesus Christ! And become a pirate. Amazing. On the spot. Yeah. And it sounds like an amazing speech. I'm, you know, sick of this. I imagine he was so angry, he forced a pirate beard out mm. in one humph. And if in he one was... harumph, he literally, poof, massive moustache, poof, big bushy, angry eyebrows, poof, dreadlocked hair like Jack Sparrow. Just, he was just so angry, he willed it into being in about seven seconds flat. Giving that kind of speech when you're stood on sort of like the deck of your own ship, cutlass in hand is one thing. Yes. When you stand up and announce it to 12 smelly men who recently were chopping down trees and have Mm. just had their entire lives ruined and you're really the person responsible, (laughs) it probably didn't hit quite as hard as, as, as he'd hoped. But... Fortune appeared to be with him. Oh. As the very next day, his little boat was spotted by a fishing sloop. The captain decided to be a good Samaritan and investigate what had happened to leave these men adrift in the bay. You know, oh, oh, there seems to have been some terrible accident. And he was rewarded for his concern by having his sloop captured by Edward Lowe. Though there is no indication that he harmed any of his would-be rescuers. Instead, dropping them off on the coast of Honduras. Mm-hmm. He would not always be so considerate. No, I imagine. But these not. guys—he's very done pissed anything off, though. He's—he's he's a very angry, hungry man. <laughs> well, he's not because it was a fishing sloop. So I'm guessing he's now had a, a few, you know, fried fish. Hmm. They've cooked some fish. They've eaten that. He sort of put it to the guys. We can be a pirate crew, and they've gone. Well, I can't exactly go home with no money, so yeah. go on then. And there must be one of them. One of them must be able to cook. You'd hope. You'd, you'd like to think. Oh, we're going to talk about some cooking later on, and you're not going to like it. Oh. With a proper ship to command, Edward headed back to the coast around Boston and New York, lurking in the busy shipping lane with a plan to capture unprepared merchants and plunder their holds. Right. The plan initially worked well, but Edward was getting into piracy. Just as the golden age of piracy was drawing to a close, he come late say, to the party. He was very, very late for pirate well one of the men who kick-started the golden age henry every who we covered way back in episode 63 i was just going to say henry every the guy who disappeared with the loot my very most favorite pirate Mm. in the whole world ever competent henry every i love him selected the right ship got all of the money and fucked off to an island somewhere keeping a low profile and just enjoying yeah piracy yeah it, it was great so can you give us an episode what episode if people want to 63 episode, episode 63, 63 dear listeners if you want to listen to the tale of henry every very competent pirate most competent yeah well I he'd, think. he'd been missing presumed having a fun time mm. for over 20 years by this point jesus christ blackbeard himself had been killed on the deck of the queen anne's revenge in 1718 did we also cover no. in henry every did we cover him blackbeard yeah no 
I'm sure we did. No, we didn't. Have we covered him the in two, any episode? No. Everyone knows who Edward Teach uh, was, yeah? We, Blackbeard's dead anyway by this oh, stage. My Ke- second most favourite mm. pirate ever. And in 1720, Calico Jack had been hung, while Edward England, who you won't have heard of, but he's the pirate responsible for the now classic Jolly Roger design, you know, the s- sort of skull and crossbones. Oh, yes. That was Edward England's version of the Jolly Roger. Okay. So advertising mogul Edward England... Mm. Uh, he had been marooned by his crew in the very same year that our friend Edward Ned Lowe, as he became known, Ned, started his piracy career. So a lot of the heavy hitters of piracy had already Mm. fallen by the wayside. Mm. Uh, This was in part due to the ever-increasing patrols and the switch to placing suspected pirates on trial at vice-admiralty courts rather than in the port communities where they would likely have bribed local officials to get off. So the thing about the pirates is they knew the local communities. These were the people who they fenced the stuff to. These were the people who they bought supplies from. So there was a vested interest in just turning a blind eye. Well, also, it was about a bit nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah. It's just like, well, we'll set sail from your port and we will protect you mm. from invaders. And when we come back, and when we we'll come have back, loads of really good goods and we'll accept a slightly lower price for them than yeah, you pay wholesale. It was because, proper, proper, like, yeah. under the table, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, don't worry, mate, we've but the, got your back. The East India Company and the, the British Navy, they realised this mm. and said, well, we've got to stop letting them be tried in, in, the, in the home court, court yeah. Um, we've got to start doing it as a military thing. And that meant that the conviction rates went sky high. Mm. All of this meant that within weeks, after capturing only a few merchant vessels, the risk of them being captured themselves became so great that Ned took the decision to relocate himself and his crew from the oh, east coast of America to... The west coast? He didn't sail clear around... The South America. I don't know. The Caribbean. He just bombed down the coast to the Caribbean. Yeah, this is why I knew you'd like it. (laughs) Yes. Their plan was to stop off in the Cayman Islands to (laughs) reef. Let me know when you're done. Okay. To retrofit their ship with a larger treasure hold and more places to mount guns before terrorising the tropical seas. Mm-hmm. However, while in harbour, mm. getting these wicked call... I'm guessing he was wanting to go faster stripe as well. Getting all these additions I was going to say, done. getting his mods done. Yeah, getting a spoiler put on. Sick rims. Mm. Ed Lowe. <coughs> Ned Lowe. Ned. Ned Lowe. <laughs> Just put an N on it. Ed Lowe. Mm. Bump... <laughs> Ned Lowe bumped into another pirate captain called George Lowther, and the two men became firm friends. I don't believe that this is the Lowther that Lowther Gardens in Lytham St. Hans is named for, by the way. No, but maybe. But It's spelt no. the right way. It's spelt the right way. He was Who the black knows? sheep of the family, the George Lowther there's pirate. There's been a few. There's been a few. It's also re- my my family on my mother's side Yeah, is Lowe. Oh, good. Well, maybe Does it have an E on it? No, but you know what they were like. They were really wishy-washy about the way it was spelled. You may be related to this man. Mm. Did the Lowe's originally come from Westminster in London, if we take it back far enough? Are you dirt poor cockneys? No, we're just dirt poor northerners. (laughs) (laughs) Dirt poor northerners, through and through. Sensing a chance to learn from someone who had already been successfully pirating for over a year, Mm. which is 
actually not bad for a pirate career. These are things that are incredibly short, so a year is quite impressive. Edward and his small crew agreed to sign on to Lowther's ship, the Happy Delivery, with Edward... <laughs> it's a shit name for a boat. You wait. The culmination of this story has a boat name that is just fantastic. <laughs> with Edward becoming a lieutenant. So he's like, he... I will give you 12 crew members. Right. We'll, all of our guns and everything will sort of mm. consolidate onto your ship. Mm. And I get a senior position for that. And tutelage. Tutelage. I will be tutored by you. With free reign to allow his sadistic side out, Edward began torturing some of the sailors captured during raids. One mm. of his favourite tricks was to wind pitch-soaked ropes between the fingers of a prisoner before setting the rope on fire burning the flesh down to the bone. So you'd end up with sort of like your, your last knuckle closest to your hand just stripped to the bone, but you'd still have the meaty stumps of the fingers there. What a delightful thing to do. Mm. Well, you know, it was a slow Friday. Mm. That is not to say that Edward Lowe did not have a moral code. Mm. It's just that he took to heart the idea that intimidation and fear were the best methods by which to encourage other, sub, uh, other ships to submit without a fight. I think, seeing though we've gone past the golden age of piracy, mm. I, it's the further down the line of anything you go, it always gets more extreme, doesn't it? We've seen it in horror films. Well, yeah. We've seen it with strangely how far people are when you to look go into Blackbeard's career and all sorts of stuff. It was relatively bloodless. Blackbeard's mm. entire pirating career, but with with uh, uh, with Ned Lowe as well, this was just sort of the same tactic that he'd used on the streets of Westminster when he was a kid it's I'm gonna punch you early yeah and make an example of you yeah and hurt you and then everyone else will drop into line I was gonna say it'll just lead to me not having to do very much at all to get Mm. what I want later on but like you say with piracy it was like in order for that to break through the noise that I'm a particularly Mm -hmm. vicious person I need to just up my game there a little bit yeah but everyone everyone does it so by the time it's come to him bearing in mind that we've got so far down the line with it now as you said you know our friend Henry hasn't been seen for 20 years Mm. and Blackbeard's 21 dead. year by this or point. 21 yards. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Blackbeard's dead and all, you know, all the rest of it. You know, they'll have paved the way and people have just added and added and added and added. So by the time he's got, he's going to have to make any kind of name for him. He's going to have to go big or go home, yeah. really. Well, even though he had that sort of explanation for why he was doing what he was doing, mm. the apparent glee with which he engaged in the torture and murder yeah. led George Lowther to feel that he might be better off keeping Edward as more of a, a long-distance friend, maybe a pen pal. You know, I, I respect you, but I also feel it would be better if we were slightly further apart than sharing a cabin. That, that to me, is nothing more than self-preservation. Yeah. Mm. So but It's very, very, very logical. Mm. I must admit, very logical, and I think I'd do something similar. So after a successful raid on the 28th of May, 1722... Mm. This is, again, three months into his pirating career, this, for, for Ned. He offered Ned the opportunity to captain one of the captured ships with a crew of 44 men and set off independently. It's like, You're, I've taught you everything I can. It's been two months. Pirating mm. isn't that hard. You, you, you know all the tricks now. Here, take my mangiest crew members. Mm. Take this nice new boat and, and away you go mm-hmm. and i'll see you i'll see you sometime you know we'll meet up and we'll swap stories but we'll be seeing you yeah 
I think it's I think it's best we dissolve amicably. And obviously mm. for Ned, from from his point of view, it's like I had a tiny little fishing sloop mm. that I put some guns on. Met mm. this guy two months mm. later. My crew's three times bigger. Mm. I've got a much bigger boat with more guns. Mm. It's a win-win situation. Mm. Edward took his gang of young men and they came up. I say men. Um, the average age of his crew was thought to be 21 years old. That's the average age. And there was one bloke on there who was 48. So that really Ooh, raised that beggared. average. Yeah. I was going to say, he'll have beggared about with the average yeah. there. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of them, it still ended in teen. He took his gang of young men, mm. taught them to shave, like all good father figures do. Yeah. And they came up with new articles to govern how the crew would behave while on board. Okay. These included a stipulation that no married men would be forced to join the crew if they did not wish to do so. Mm. He still loves her, doesn't mm. he? And that, yeah, it was in memory of his wife. Mm. And the fact that if she had lived and he'd had to go to sea, the idea, you know, he's thinking, well, what if it was me? Yeah. What if... What if I had that home life, but I'd had to go back to sea. And then I found myself being forced to never return. So, yeah, that was one little nod. Yeah. I've still got some morality. I'm I'm holding, I'm holding on to that one because I know there's going to be some absolutely Mm. abhorrent ones. I'm I'm waiting. (laughs) waiting. He also uh, made sure they added in a little provision to say that English ships were to be avoided unless it was completely... um, unavoidable you know like they were the aggressors okay because edward wanted a long and profitable career and he knew that the quickest way to end his career would be to mess with the east india company and to mess with the british navy and to mess with british trade he's like yeah this is we'll we'll go after portuguese ships and we'll go Mm -hmm. after dutch ships and we'll Mm -hmm. go after spanish ships but we are not messing with the royal navy no although his threats were nothing short of terrifying Edward did also keep his word. So when he came across a fishing fleet of 13 boats in Port Roseway, Nova Scotia, early on in his second go-around at being an Mm -hmm. independent pirate, Mm -hmm. and they wisely chose to comply with his requests that they surrender immediately and give him access to all of their good stuff, he didn't go back on his word. Good. Saying that they wouldn't be harmed. This is good. All he did was take all of their valuables and take the best ship as his new flagship, because they had one that was even better than the one that um, George Lowther had given him. A better one? It was so, so good that he renamed it The Fancy. (laughs) Here comes Ned on The Fancy. Mothers, lock up your daughters. Fancy Ned. Getting low, getting low. Getting low, getting low. He also forced 10 of the unmarried men who looked particularly strong to join his crew. Oh. <laughs> but given the times, what I'm saying is this would have been seen as a very reasonable pirate interaction. Yeah. You know, he'd said, look, I will kill you all if you don't surrender immediately. And they went, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Take what you want. Mm-hmm. He went, well, I'm having that ship. I'm having all the gold plate that you've got and all the yeah. silver plate. And I'm having those ten guys over there. And they went, fine, okay. On as long way. as you're not married, because I don't want to fuck up yeah. no home lives. Yeah, he was looking We're for wedding rings. We're not here for that. Yeah. We're not here for that. In fact, he saw a guy with a wedding rings. And do you have children? Yes, I do. Go home. A little girl? Yes, she's the apple of my eye. <laughs> I have a daughter, you know. I've never seen her face. <laughs> <laughs> 
I couldn't look upon it. It may look like Eliza. Oh, Jim. Oh. Like, can we go now? No! <laughs> Leave me! He's the terrifying Ned Lowe. <laughs> the terrifying Ned Lowe that burns people's knuckles to the bone in a pool of his own tears and snot. <laughs> it's a very confusing time to be captured confusing. by him. <laughs> confusing moment for all. But when people didn't agree with Edward's request, oh dear. he was capable of some very inventive ways of torturing people. Oh, I imagine. One of the fishermen who steadfastly refused to sign the articles and join the crew, mm-hmm. Philip Ashton, later recalled that he was chained, beaten and threatened with death multiple times before he was able to escape when the fancy was docked at port. Then there was the time that he captured a vessel with two Portuguese travellers on board. I don't know what these two Portuguese travellers did to annoy Edward, but it must have been something quite significant. Or at least I hope it was something significant. Oh, God. That they'd done something like um, besmirched the honour of his dead wife. Mm. Because he had them tied to ropes, hoisted up to the top of the yardarm, and then just dropped to the deck. Then he had them hoisted up again. Hmm. And dropped to the deck. And this happened over and over until he was extra sure that they were dead. So that's... It's like up to where the crow's nest is. Yeah. So it's a a fair old height. And you know the first time they dropped, they would just be in an enormous amount of pain. Yeah. We're talking broken Everything's. (laughs) Yeah. God. With episodes like that one, his reputation spread far and wide. Mm, I bet it bloody did. And Edward decided to emphasise that he was someone who was not to be messed with by updating his own personal pirate flag. His first flag wasn't really fitting with the pirate image. was a trumpeter in yellow on a green background. Right, that's unusual. Okay. I'd say confusing rather than fear-inducing. Yes, what is that? We We believe it's a boat with... Musicians on board. Yes. Well, it's called the fancy. I wonder if it's theatrical. I don't know. They are dancing the hornpipe. <laughs> it was replaced. We the are classic the model of the modern major <laughs> The classic yellow trumpeter on the green background was replaced mm. with a full skeleton in blood red against a black background. That sounds a bit more. Far like more. It. I think I've seen that one actually. If you can remember where before the end of the episode, I'll be very impressed because you have seen it. And I will tell you where you have seen it. Oh, balls. Yep. You haven't seen it on anyone's balls. I haven't seen it on anyone's balls, but oh, balls. To test that the authorities knew better than to challenge him, Edward sailed for St. Michael's. He sent word ahead to the governor to say that if he gave them supplies at a reasonable price, he's not a monster. Lowe would release the vessels he had captured earlier that day, Mm. specifically so he could use them as leverage. The governor wisely realised that Edward was providing him with a fig leaf so that he could capitulate and still claim that he was in charge. Mm -hmm. You know, that I made the executive decision to save the lives of all of these sailors. Um, So he allowed Edward to dock and supplied them with provisions and probably a nice meal as well. Because mm. like we say, you know, when you're a provincial governor, you I, I guess they don't last long if they're openly hostile to the pirates at this time. No. They're just, it's almost like another government agency that you've just got to keep off your back. You've just got to deal with these guys in a way yeah. that allows you to keep everything ticking over. Because if he'd have made a stand, 
they'd need a new governor and everything would be anarchy. So it's just like... We're too far it's away. It's, it's ways and weights and balances at this <clears> point, isn't it? It's, it's you know weigh weigh it up. So they had the nice meal. Mm. Ned probably met the governor's daughter and then started weeping again about how how mm. lovely she was and how she was going to grow up into being such a beautiful woman. I had a beautiful woman, you know. <laughs> uh, he released the ships as he'd said <sighs> and left. While the entire population of St Michael's breathed a huge sigh of relief. Yeah, yeah, I think I think there was probably a couple of pairs of dirty pants there. Mm. Well, Why do I think it was on an album cover? No, good guess. I mean, it would make a good one. Yeah, but no, bear with. Unfortunately, while Edward was happy with the understanding he managed to cultivate with the Caribbean governors, mm. the British Navy was not. They had been steadily tightening the noose on pirate activities in the Atlantic and they were determined to snuff out Ned Lowe and his proto-fleet as quickly as possible. Because by this time, there was more than one. The Fancy had been joined by the Ranger. You Fancy Ranger. Now, the Ranger, I, I don't There's hate... been multiple pirate ships called the Ranger. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate that one, but the Fancy's... What was Henry Every's ship? Oh, I can't it remember. It was absolutely bombastic. I remember that. The name of it was outrageous. Well, this is the problem. These guys are all young blokes <laughs> and they are coming up with names on the fly. So <laughs> they could call it anything. We should just God. be... I'm surprised that we haven't come across a pirate who literally named their ship Boaty McBoatface. <laughs> anyway, Navy decided they had to deal with him. Is it on a beer label? No. Mm. Which is why they sent a ship called the HMS Greyhound to hunt him down. The captain of the Greyhound was called Peter Solgerdand. Do you want to have another go at that? No, that's it. Peter Solgerdand. Solgerdand. Good British name. Again, these names, man. I haven't heard anyone ever called this. Mm. Well, Solgerdand, if he did indeed exist, was of the opinion that the only way to stop a bully was to stand up to him. It didn't hurt that his ship was ridiculously well armed compared to the two ships that Edward currently had at his disposal. Even this was the like fancy. a this was a man of war. This was a oh, big God. old ship right, okay. with many I think it was thirty four guns and the fancy had ten. Jesus so it was Christ. vastly and the, the Ranger only had like six. The Ranger was a tiny little ship compared to these. It was just, you know, like one notch above a boat. Oh dear. Solgadand finally caught up to Lowe on June the 10th, 1723. And it quickly became apparent that it was going to be a very one-sided fight. Mm. This was especially true as Edward and a skeleton crew immediately scarpered in the fancy, leaving his second ship in command of Charles Harris, the ranger, to their fate. Charles Harris being someone that had been his friend, someone that he'd given command of the ship to due to Charles's loyalty. Mm-hmm. But when the chips were down and it was, right, <clears throat> what, how are we going to do this? We could use a pincer movement. We might be able to get the element of mm-hmm. surprise. And he's like, yeah, yeah. What we'll do is I'll lure them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you come up behind and everyone boards. So mm. you take all of the men onto your ship. Mm. I'll, I'll be more maneuverable then. So I can, mm. I can do a cat and mouse and bring him over. No, no, he just fucking scarpers. Like, he can imagine Charles is stood on the deck of his ship going, there he goes. Look, he's got them chasing him. He's he's pulling out quite a gap, actually. He'll turn round any minute, bring him back towards the ambush. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. That's us, then. Well, prepare your best surrendering flags, boys. Welp. 
That's, yeah. Trusted the wrong guy. This is on me. It's on me, lads. Their fate could have been rather a spectacular one, though. As, seeing that they were about to be captured, one of the crew decided that he wanted to go out in a blaze of glory and tried to set the powder stores alight to blow the ship apart. As a massive sort of F you. You're not capturing me, I quit. Pirate golf. No, not pirate golf. This is the equivalent of the Monopoly board flip, this one. I'm just going to blow the ship up. And hopefully the shrapnel, as it careens (laughs) towards you, will take out a few members of the Greyhound crew because it's the only way we're going to do any damage Mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. But some of the other crew, they weren't quite so keen to, to, you know, go down in a blaze of glory and they Mm -hmm. stopped him from uh, blowing up the stores. So he just committed suicide instead. They were like, we're fine with you killing yourself. Yeah. But you're not taking us us with you. Which, I mean... Harris and the rest of the crew were captured and they were taken to stand trial in Newport, Rhode Island. Not all of them were found guilty. So some of the guys who stopped it, it was worth their while to not go down in a blaze of glory because some people were able to make the argument that they were basically press ganged into service and that Mm. they didn't want to. Um, But most were found guilty. And Charles Harris and over 25 others were hung on July 19th, 1723 for their crimes. To this day, it remains the largest mass execution in Rhode Island history. There you go. They've never got more than 23, uh, 26 even. That was they it. That was the high tide mark. In, in Rhode New, Island? In Newport, Rhode Island, because mm. I have been. Well, I'll probably... Do you remember the mention in Charles Harris? I didn't go on it. I just saw... It, it was something they did for kids. They have, like, um, mm. what is essentially a new boat to that looks very, very, very much like a pirate boat that has somebody doing a horrendous British accent on it. Mm. Um, and They're trying, though. They're trying really hard to be pirates, and the kids loved it. Yeah. I mean, I, obviously, we didn't take... I went... I was a teenager when so I went... So you were too cool to go, <coughs> pirates. <laughs> I might have even, even been in my early 20s. I mm. can't... Exactly. Oh, you were way too. You were way too cool. Far too old. If we if we went back today, you'd be on that in a heartbeat. I would. I would. With your own fake beard stuck on. Yeah, because now I'm 36. I do not give a shit. And I love pirates. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. I've got. I have no one to impress now. Nobody. It may have been the loss of his close friend Harris. Is that where I saw the flag? No. Oh. Well, it might be. But, it might be, but... but that's not where I'm thinking. I know, I know you've seen it in one place. Oh my god! I don't know about that. I wasn't with you at the time. Mm. It may have been the loss of his close friend Harris, because even though he abandoned him, you can feel bad about abandoning someone. Or He's... it might have been the embarrassment of being beaten so publicly. Because what do bullies hate most? Being beat at their yeah. own game because they can't handle it. No, they can't. No. That's why they're bullies in the first place. Or it may have been the dawning realisation that his life was likely to end very soon and very violently because although he'd escaped this time, you know, that's how quick it had been. They'd sent one man of war after him Mm -hmm. and they'd taken out his other ship. They'd taken most of his crew. He was starting from practically nothing again Mm -hmm. with his pirating. He'd lost loads of stuff because they'd stripped out all of the loot as well. They'd had to ditch it Mm. because at that point it's like, What's the point in having a hole full of gold if it slows you down to the point where you get captured? Mm-hmm. Your, your best, your life's the most valuable thing at that point. Mm. Whatever the reason, though, Ned Lowe decided that he would no longer restrain his sadistic urges as he had been doing to this point. 
So, when the captain of a Portuguese ship decided to throw a bag of money into the sea rather than hand it over to Ned, Ned chopped off his lips, cooked them slowly over an open fire, and forced him to eat them in front of his horrified crew. He then cut out the captain's heart, cooked that, and forced his crew to eat it. He then killed the crew. Right, so he's completely lost the plot. Seems to be. Okay. On another occasion, when capturing a ship, Ned noticed that the cook who'd been working on the ship was particularly fat. Mm. He commented that he was indeed a greasy fellow who would fry well. And did he? Hmm, well... After some nervous chuckling with the cook, you know, <laughs> and Ned starts laughing, like proper maniacal laughing. Yeah, I imagine like I be twitching, mm. kind of like, yeah. When it, you can see all the teeth, it's not a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> the nervous chuckles would quickly turn to screams because Ned decided to test his theory by tying the cook to the mast and leaving him on the ship while they burned it. Mm. Though at least he didn't actually force anyone to eat him because the ship sank Thank before Christ. they could recover. <laughs> The human crackling that they created. (laughs) Oh, God. Other stories include more instances when he forced crews to eat bits of the captain, including an occasion when ears were on the menu. Oh, God. And a time where he killed 53 captured Spanish sailors one by one, slowly with his cutlass. And it was one of those lined up and he would slowly stab one of them, listening to the gurgle. And then he would move on to the next one. If there's 53 members of a crew, Mm. how did he manage to get away with that? A captured crew. He had more men and they had captured them. And I assume their arms would have been tied. And, you know, he stabs the first one and the rest of them are thinking, oh, he's just making a power play. You know, he's just trying to show that he's serious before he makes... There's me just thinking he's he's still got no crew in a tiny boat. He's probably upgraded by now, hasn't he? But, you know, like the first first lot down the other end, like, right, that's really sad that he stabbed our friend, but now he's going to make his demands of us. No, he He, just kept going. Yeah, there was never any asking where they hid it, asking if there were hidden compartments, any of that. It was just slowly and methodically murdering people good to know just a single tear rolling down his cheek as he realizes he's lost the last shred of his humanity mate his his mind was lost Hmm. months ago and you're right to say you know he'd he'd upgraded because he'd captured a new flagship in the interim which was called and this is the most unsettling name of of all the pirate ship names we've ever discussed oh god merry christmas Oh my god, that is really unnerving. He took to wearing a red jacket, and as he was he chasing people down, he'd be going, Ho, ho, ho! No. Santa Claus is coming to town! Well, I know that all that's rubbish yeah, now, that's because all Santa rubbish. didn't exist But it was in genuinely that. called the Merry Christmas. Jesus wept. That is mm. scary. That is actually quite mm. scary. It's just, it's unsettling in a weird way. It is. Very unsettling. Mm. Yeah, I don't like that. But while his crew were willing to accept Ned's bouts of murderous rage when it came to the people they captured, Mm. there were limits. Mm. It was later reported by surviving members of his crew that in the January of 1724, Mm. just under three years since the start of his career as a pirate, 
It's not taking long for him to go to completely insane off ships, biscuits and grog, is it, really? Mm. Well, Ned Ned Lowe got into a disagreement with his quartermaster. I'm not, I can't say I'm surprised. Mm. <laughs> the quartermaster on a pirate... argue with his own shadow <clears throat> and lose. Unlike in military ships, the quartermaster on a pirate ship was normally the second in command. Yes. And under Ned's own articles, his share of the loot was one and a half, you know, the quartermasters. Yeah. Which was more than was allocated to the doctor to the first mate, to the mm-hmm. gunner, mm-hmm. to the bosun, mm-hmm. which is to say that the quartermaster was a respected and very important member of the crew. Well, yes. his portion was second only to Ned's. Yeah. Anyway, Ned was reflecting on the disagreement that they'd had during the day. Mm. And it was starting to trouble him. And he would try to go to sleep. You can imagine he's tossing and turning, thinking, how do I deal with this? Mm. Come on. This is the management side of the job. You knew you'd have to do this. How are you going to get out of this sticky situation? And he decided he needed to, to rectify things with his with his quartermaster. Mm. You know, take action. Mm. I was going to say, he's got, what's he going to do? The action turned out to be shooting his sleeping quartermaster in the back of the head while he lay asleep in his bunk. Jesus Christ. For the rest of the crew, this was a step too far. Yeah, and I can I can smell mutinies on the horizon mm. here. Well, while strangely there was no specific section in the ship's articles about murdering another crew member, there were things about if you turned up um, at the point of battle drunk, then you could mm. be punished. That you know they were very sort of specific about certain things. If you took a weapon onto a, a vessel that had been captured without permission, right, and That's... did injury to somebody then that could be punished. But murdering, I, I just don't think it ever occurred to them. It's like, no, we murdered them. We don't murder each other. Good God. I we mean, get, we get of, enough murdering. What kind of anarchist ship are we sailing here? I mean, for good, for goodness sake. Well, the crew came up with a new rule on the fly, mm. that this offence shall be punished by being stripped of the role of captain and set adrift in a boat on the open sea with no provisions. Abandonment, yeah. Save a pistol... Yep, with one shot in it. With one shot in it. Yep. So they loaded Ned into a boat, much like the way his pirate career had started, mm-hmm. and pushed him off from the Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. <laughs> Should old acquaintance be... <laughs> from that point on... Mm. No one knows the ultimate fate of Nedlow. Some say that the boat he was pushed away in mm. was caught in a hurricane and that Ned drowned in furious seas, a punishment from God. It's very romantic. Some say that he was found by a French vessel who recognised him and that he was taken to the island of Martinique where he was hung as a pirate. Some say that he managed to somehow steal another small ship because they again took pity on him. He used his one pistol shot to shoot the captain, take charge, and he kept a low profile somewhere around the island of Honduras in a kind of semi-retirement. I, he still had his boat, he was still doing low-level crimes, but he'd gone back I, to his kind of street-tough no, ways. I, I feel like he's pissed. At this point, he's pissed <clears throat> on too many people's chips. Some say that he made his way to Brazil and a full retirement. No. Go from Ipanema, goes walking mm-hmm. and when mm-hmm. she passes, 
Ned looks at her and says, "You look like Eliza." Eliza. While others claim that they definitely saw him in Portobello in 1739, defending the fort against the British forces during the War of Jenkins' Ear. Absolutely not. We will never know for sure. He shot himself in the face about six hours after they abandoned him. <laughs> well, they're not coming back. <sighs> I'm coming, Eliza. Exactly. I can imagine it. I can. I can see yeah. that happen. I. I don't. I, I think it's pretty cut and dry. I think it's. It's nice in some respects that we don't know, hmm. because I do love a bit of a legend. Hmm. I love. I love that you could just make something up, and it could possibly be true. I like that about about history, and I like that about you know kind of like just stories about people. Hmm. If you don't know. So I, I, I do, I like that. But I think, to be honest, weighing everything up, it's probably the most likely. Well, while we don't know his fate, what we do know, mm. for sure, mm. is that the little kid from Westminster managed to capture over 100 ships during his brief career as a pirate. Yeah, some going. The most bloodthirsty and cruel pirate in the Atlantic and Caribbean oceans at the time, who definitely killed more than Blackbeard and Calico Jack combined, mm-hmm. and undoubtedly did so in much more inventive ways. Yeah, I think he's possibly one of the cruelest pirates that ever lived. Mm. Today. Mm. Duh, 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 he's here! No, <laughs> today, Ed Lowe is commemorated as a character on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland. He made it to the big leagues. He made it to the big leagues. He's part of the House of Mouse. And although he does not appear in the movies, his flag is used as the flag of Sao Feng, the pirate lord of the South China Sea. So you have seen that flag in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Interesting. He's not the one. He's not the one with the squeaky voice. Hands He's He's the one that... Um, dies and Kira Knightley's character yes. becomes a pirate lord because apparently that's how it works. It's Dead Man's Boots. Yeah, Dead Man's Boots rules. So, yeah. No, it's not the high-pitched. No, because that was the Indian yeah. Ocean. So there you go. That is the story of, of Ned Lowe. And you'll be pleased to know <laughs> that that was suggested by Jack for you. He took me to one side and went, I've got a story you need to tell Emma. She likes pirates, doesn't she? This one's a bastard. Like, good. Thank you, Jack. Finally pulling your weight. <laughs> I, I, I don't I, I don't know how to tell him I actually quite like him. He's I, he's a complex character. He's a very complex character. He's a, he's a psychologist wet dream. The one thing that you notice is all of the sort of articles written, well, a lot of the sort of short clickbait articles about him just go, and he was just a murderer straight out. And then when you actually look into where he came yeah. from, the traumas he probably experienced, yeah. and that massive traumatic event that sort of triggered the pirate career. I think, to be honest, that was that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm. So in, in terms of psychological events. It know, made him psychological go for trauma. It, it, well, oh, yeah. yeah. But again, I like the fact that he had that, he had some rules in place right up until the incident with the greyhound and then it was like wait a minute no 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 i've got now to lose now because i am marked i tried to make a deal with you that i would go straight 
mm. and that I would have this life and you screwed me over whatever entity he prayed to. Mm. And then he made a new deal that he would, you know, pirate and he would just be this agent of chaos. Mm. And then when that got scuppered as well, it was just, okay, well, no no need to make deals. I'm just going to, mm. I'm not going to hold myself back with this idea that if I if I just honour married men and, and mm. don't attack mm. British ships, I'll be allowed to just vent. Mm. Everyone mm. will understand. It's like, oh, yeah, we know Ned's a bit of an arse, but he's going through some stuff. So we've decided yeah. we'll just... He's working it out. He's yeah. working it out. He's getting worse. We know. Mm. <laughs> we, we know. We know. We're hoping for a miracle at this point <laughs> with him. But... And when it's they finally... a fucking nightmare, okay? He's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine them all sat round at night. Well... Dick enemies stolen all the toothpaste. Nobody can tell him he smells. You know, it's just you can imagine he's an absolute nightmare, mm. absolute loose cannon. Yeah, he's got a taste for those lips now. He's chopping them off everyone. No. Everywhere we go, he comes back with just buckets full no, of lips. Did you see him last week? I mean, Cooking he took it far too far last week. <laughs> what did he do with that monkey? Nobody knows. Wow, are you accusing? Ned Lowe of bestiality. No. What are you accusing him of? I don't know. Nobody he put knows. it in a wig. Nobody knows. He made a wig out of it. No, Just I'm the monkey. No, he said. Put the monkey in a wig. It's my wig. He put the monkey in a wig. Insisted the, the crew refer to it as Eliza. <laughs> and he just cuddled with it. And this very uncomfortable looking monkey that he cuddled at night. Shh, my darling. I know, I know, my love. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know that we can take it any further than that. I think, <laughs> I think we need to the pause image it of there. Ned Lowe plotting the t- the murder of his quartermaster, <laughs> cuddling, a, cuddling monkey. a monkey in a wig. Yeah, I think we've gone wrong. I think we need to go to bed. Joe. <laughs> I think we need to sleep. I, I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, I promise that next time it's an Emma episode, we'll we'll try to get to the microphone a bit earlier <laughs> to so avoid tired. this unpleasantness. I'm so tired. <laughs> Hi there, it's Emma, Chief Organiser at Consistently Eccentric, here to remind you all that if you like what you hear, you can catch up with all previous episodes and session series by searching for us on Acast, Spotify and iTunes. How fancy. You can also join us on Instagram at Consistently Eccentric Podcast, where we update on the weekly episode and post all of our bonus content for you lucky lot. See you next week.